the idea of industrializing construction is a, as I explained earlier, a paradigm shift. So it's asking one of the largest industries in the world, 13.5% of the world economy, to shift gears and direction. That's colossal no matter what. So on top of that, because of that, and the fear of change, and most people in the world don't like change, the fear of change has a microscope focused on the mistakes that modular construction as an industry, uh, as even though it's a misnomer, makes. Hello, my name is Demetrius, and you are listening to Spaces Podcasts Express. Thank you for coming back, everybody. In today's conversation, I'm joined by Roger Krulak, the founder and president of Full Stack Modular, and we discuss off-site construction. Now, before we move any further, I do want to give you a heads up that we had some technical issues in this episode, so I apologize in advance for that. But this is one of those conversations that you just can't remake. Uh, it was such a good conversation with Roger. We discussed so many different things. We talked about the best process for design and construction. Roger has a background in being a developer, so he gave some insight from a developer's perspective. And now with the company Fullstack, he has some additional insight for developers and how they should rethink their approach. We talked about Katera, some of the missteps that they had and the subsequent perceptions that a lot in the industry and outside of the industry have about offsite construction and so much more. Again, I apologize for the quality of some of the audio, but this is definitely one that you should listen to in its entirety. So I hope you enjoy this conversation with Roger Krulak. All right, Roger, thanks for joining me. Thanks, Demetrius. Uh, thanks for having me on. To start off, can you give our listeners just a little bit of context of who you are and then your elevator pitch for full stack? Just one or two lines. Absolutely. So I'm I'm Roger Krulak. I'm the president and founder of Full Stack Modular. And um, Full Stack Modular is a design, manufacture, construct solution for mostly mid to high rise multifamily buildings in a dense urban environment. Okay, so we're, we're going to dig into that, I think, too, a little bit more uh, a little bit later. But for our listeners, we've had a few conversations about modular construction. But for those that may not have gotten to hear those episodes, can you kind of level set and give people a sense of what exactly is modular construction? Yeah, actually, um, modular construction is probably not a good nomenclature for anything <laughs> because it means a hundred different things. And so offsite construction uh, or industrialized construction has many components, which could be everything from building metal panel walls to doing electrical sub-assemblies to building panelized construction that you see in a lot of places to creating facade panels, which is modular construction or industrialized construction that's happened for a long time. And there are different grades of level of completeness uh, as it relates to the built environment or the building structure as a whole. And what Full Stack does is we build fully volumetric 
construction where everything or to the extent possible is finished in a factory and then shipped up and bolted together. All the finishes are done. The facade is on the structural system is part of our system. The mechanical electrical and plumbing distribution is part of our system. So there is a huge continuum of industrialized construction that is called modular, but I don't know that that nomenclature should last because it doesn't really describe anything. I hope that helps. Yeah, no, that makes sense. And I think part of where I think you're getting at with that nomenclature of modular has created this confusion, at which I think subsequently has hindered adoption. Do you get the sense of that? Or or what do you think um, as far as the hesitation to, to really go forward with offsite construction? Well, I mean, I guess one of the things I'd like to say is offsite or industrialized construction has been happening for years, right? Switchgear is made, it's industrialized construction. Facade systems, which are, you know, I'd say probably 80% of their of that industry, uh, you know, a prefabricated has huge adoption. The question is that the confusion of what it all, what is it has definitely caused some confusion. It's interesting Singapore, which now has a huge uh, volumetric modular construction industry, calls it, uh, I think, a very interesting name. They call it PPVC, which is prefabricated, prefinished volumetric modular construction. So makes a ton of sense. You know exactly what it is. And so they have different nomenclature. And I agree that oftentimes in a hugely uh, economy-driven, uh, you know, sort of laissez-faire economy that we live in, people like simple names, right? And uh, so they call <laughs> it modular, but it doesn't tell you anything. So I agree with you that that is part of the confusion. I think the other thing that has slowed down its adoption is, I think, a little bit more important in that by using an industrial process in the creation of the built environment, you are needing a paradigm shift or a process shift by which you utilize things like that. So for example, you can't really modularize a building once it's designed and in for permit. And you can't really add modular components, even say bathroom pods, unless you've designed for them. So the whole entire uh, sort of value chain and the entire, all of the stakeholders architects, engineers, general contractors, developers, and the industrialized companies that provide portions of that built environment all need to be focused on complete understanding, adoption, and design before you actually start building anything, which, by the way, today is not the way construction happens, right? Usually construction happens as an architect does a design that they think is beautiful. They send it to a a general contractor who gives a price that's too high, they go back and redraw it 12 times until the general contractor who's still been paid nothing says, yeah, it'll cost whatever you want it to cost. Then they go into construction. Nobody wants to pay for the drawings. They finish the drawings. They have a beautiful building, which is going to be iconic. It still costs too much. Then they send it off to the engineers of the electrical trade, who was the lowest bidder, to the uh, to the mechanical trade, who was the lowest bidder. Their engineers go design it as cheaply as they can in order to try to make money. And this is why we have projects in construction that's late and over budget all the time, because we've created a system that is inefficient. And what we are trying to do in our industry using industrialization 
is to eliminate some of those inefficiencies of the process. So it sounds like the architects need to go into it well in advance planning for modular or industrialized construction. The idea is that the best way, frankly, to design and build anything is to have a team of stakeholders that are part of a design build process. Usually those are whoever the ultimate user is, um, whoever the person financing it is, the architects, the engineers, and in the case of uh, you know use of industrialized construction, whoever it is that's providing that industrialized, uh, industrialized effort associated with that. When they all sit together and share common goals, it works really well. We have created a system where where the design bid build process is instead of being collaborative is oppositional, right? And so a developer, you know, and I've been a developer for a lot of my life, a developer goes in and says, oh, I just want this person to give me a price of what it is. I'm not going to tell them what the goal is. I just want to see if I can get it cheaper. Yeah. I mean, we're not buying sweaters, by the way. We're trying to create a building. And there is a, there are a lot of stakeholders that you need to be aligned. So getting a better price isn't necessarily getting a better solution um, yeah. and doesn't mean it's even real. So we have a lot of work to do. but. At the same time, you know, everything other than buildings is manufactured, right? I, I mean, yeah. other than, you know, there's a few exceptions, but most everything is manufactured. I mean, spaceships to paper clips, it's all manufactured. Yeah. What would be your, your pitch to developers? Because I think a lot of them do approach it in that, you know, looking at the bottom line and I got to make sure that I get out of this unscathed or hopefully with a profit. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think. That's the right approach, right? You want to make sure that the deal works. The question is, is how do you make the deal work, right? And what are yeah. the pieces and parts that go into that? And I think the delusion has often been, I know what my goals are, and I'm going to kick around in the hope that I'm going to save 2 or 3% by you know somebody making a mistake and not giving me the right price. <laughs> Instead of saying, look, this deal only works if I spend $300 a foot on all the soft and hard costs associated with this building. And if it goes to 350, it's a non-deal. And if it goes to 250, I'm striking it rich. Sit down with the team and say, guys, here's our goal. Is it achievable? You're going to waste a lot less time on deals that don't work. And you'll spend a lot more time doing deals that do work. It is efficient, right? Yeah. And, uh, and there's a whole bunch of other things about what we do, you know, in our system that, that make it even more advantageous because we know what the costs are before you ever break ground. I mean, it, it, there are almost no conventional construction projects that have any idea what the total costs are until sort of the last pieces have been installed and you're going in for certificate of occupancy. Yeah. So let's explain a little bit further of what full stack modular is and, and the service that you provide. So we, we are, a, as I explained, and I'll, I'll a design, manufacture, construct solution for... And I told you our markets are basically multifamily. So hotels, student housing, attainable housing, affordable housing, multifamily rentals. That's sort of the gamut of the stuff that's the major part of our business. And what we do is we work with a design build team, which includes the developer and architects and engineers and ourselves focused on a goal. We need a building that serves this market need. It has to have this cost. It has to have adequate look to be able to be compatible with both the environment it's living in and provide a good experience for the people living in it. 
So all of those goals, all those parameters are part of what we're starting with day one. And that's how we work. And we're doing it in California and we're doing it in New York. And we're even doing it in the Caribbean. And we're actually working uh, with some people in the Middle East right now, all for, with the same goal. Like, this is what our need is. How do we achieve it? And it's pretty gratifying. You have all the the parties involved within full stack architects, engineers, contractors. So sometimes we work with our internal team and sometimes we collaborate with local architects. Uh, and sometimes we collaborate with, you know, even, even if we are doing most of the design within full stack, which we do not have to do, we're still working with a local architect to deal with all of the, you know, entitlement issues and the local code requirements, et cetera. So, but the team is established from the get-go and we all know what our marching orders are. We are one very significant part of it in that we're building what amounts to 85% of the work in our factory for those solutions. Let's take a break to share a little bit more about our sponsors. Hello, Spaces listeners. Demetrius here. The other day I was on Instagram and I saw Michelle traveling the world again. I think she was in London this time. Now, if you're a frequent traveler like her or want to live vicariously through a frequent traveler... Our new sponsor is your ticket. Travel by Design, an original podcast from Marriott Bonvoy. In this podcast, host Hamish Kilburn, editor of Hotel Designs, speaks with architects, designers, and visionaries who dive deep into their designs and highlight what connects us to the world's most extraordinary travel experiences. If you know me, you know my passion for storytelling and audio production, and this show delivers. Their episode on El Mangrove, a hotel in the mangrove jungle in Costa Rica, really immerses you in the experience of the hotel. From a secluded overwater villa in the Maldives to a trendy hotspot in downtown LA, Hamish and the team do a great job highlighting the often overlooked nuances of design, the benefits design brings to guests, and by the end of each episode, I'm sure you'll want to travel. Beyond just the great quality and storytelling, These episodes are super easy to listen to. That Costa Rica episode is actually just over 12 minutes, so it's a great one to test out the show. Check out Travel by Design. All you have to do is simply scroll down to our show notes, click the Travel by Design link, and easily listen today. Turn your architectural designs into stunning, immersive experiences with Enscape. This innovative tool integrates seamlessly with your design software to bring your ideas to life in real-time, 3D, and VR. With Enscape, you'll experience instant rendering, have the ability to make design changes on the fly, and present your projects in stunning detail. Ideal for architects, designers, and anyone passionate about visual storytelling and architecture. Dive into a new era of design visualization with Enscape, Visit Enscape3D.com to learn more. Are you NCARB certified yet? Join the network of over 45,000 architects who have the NCARB certificate and expand your professional reach. By becoming NCARB certified, you are demonstrating that you've met the national standards for licensure a qualification that can be an important factor for firms when hiring and promoting. Certificate holders have a streamlined path to apply for a reciprocal license in all 55 U.S. jurisdictions, 
as well as access to an extensive library of free continuing education courses. Learn more at ncarb.org. And now let's get back to the conversation. Now, not to speak ill of anyone, <laughs> but a, I think, similar business that existed was Katera. Would that be appropriate comparison? So um, uh, I'm so surprised you brought that name up uh, in this conversation. <laughs> anyway, uh, so so look. The markets that we were in are very different, but the process that we're talking about is very similar, which is the idea of providing holistic solutions for the built environment in a vertically integrated process is definitely what Katero was trying to do. In my mind, uh, the missteps were a couple um, overspending, which isn't good in any environment that requires you to think about profitability um, yeah the lack of a understanding of the construction process and how it works uh, so a lot of the leadership there although super smart people really didn't understand how that worked and they didn't really have the industrialization expertise in order to right size the growth plan, the process by which they were going to solve these problems. And so as a result of that, you know, some examples, they built a huge factory with tons of automation that wasn't even balanced. So if you know anything about industrialization or manufacturing, there's no sense in being able to make 10,000 cabinets a week if you could only build 10 kitchens a week <laughs> so, so 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 i and that's just a, so one example and and so a lot of it was just um bounding enthusiasm and not sort of great understanding of the process and the shift that was required in order to get there yeah are you finding that that whole situation has made it a little rougher for you guys to pinch yourselves <laughs> or are you are you able to get ahead of that I guess the answer in the short is yes, but I mean, I'll explain it in this way. <laughs> the interesting thing about, look, the, the idea of industrializing construction is a, as I explained earlier, a paradigm shift. So it's asking one of the largest industries in the world, 13.5% of the world economy, to shift gears and directions. That's yeah. colossal no matter what. So on top of that, because of that and the fear of change, and most people in the world don't like change, um, <laughs> the, uh, the fear of change has a, a microscope focused on the mistakes that modular construction as an industry, uh, as even though it's a misnomer, um, yeah. <laughs> makes. Every project that doesn't go exactly as planned modularly, there's an article in every newspaper, in every language all over the world. like. Almost no construction projects don't have huge problems because of the things we were usually talking about, but nobody yeah. reports about them unless, <laughs> you know, God forbid, uh, you know, a, a building falls or is tilting over like in San Francisco or a bridge collapses, you know, other than that, like project took five years instead of one. Nobody reports that. Like nobody yeah. reports that. And like yeah. so many of them have that problem unless, you know, they spend the government's money or 
people still can't commute from, you know, one place in San Francisco to the other because the bridges have been closed for five years. Otherwise, you never hear about it. But if a modular project is a month late or if one mod doesn't fit, it is front page news of every newspaper. <laughs> yeah. Because of that, Katera was a significant and, you know, a lot of VC money, which was, in my opinion, badly invested because if they had done their due diligence, they would have never spent the money. I even talked to some of the people who invested in there. It makes me sad that they that they lost what they lost because the fundamentals weren't there. But even still, that is, okay, modular doesn't work. See, they had $2 billion and they flushed it down the drain. Yeah, It's certainly easy as a case study to see what was done wrong, but it's not necessarily an indictment of an industry. I, and that's and that sort of, yeah. Yeah, that's an indictment of a business, not yeah. the actual product. Yeah, yeah it's, it's so frustrating because you know, in college, I studied the case study homes where we're kind of one of the early attempts at sort of this industrialized manufacturing for homes. So this has been this constant fight to try to get people to to buy into it. And to your point, I don't understand why it's such an aggressive push to to bury it. It's something that just makes sense to me. And I, I can't get why we can't just get on board. We are. I mean, that's the good news, right? The good news is, yeah. is that there is a huge, look, the part we haven't talked about is sort of the global, we know it's 13% of the global economy. What we haven't talked about is this, that the housing crisis gap is growing every hour. Yeah. And no matter what we do with the current industry as it exists today and the financing vehicles that exist today, we cannot come close to meeting the need of the housing that exists. So we need to pull out all of the stops, whether it's printed housing or modular construction or sub-assembly manufacturing, or a lot of effort is going into like retrofitting existing buildings for sustainability or making buildings more healthy, whatever we can do. We're not catching up. I mean, I hope I'm wrong. I hope 20 years from now we say like, oh man, we have no housing deficits in the world. But to me, that's more of a dream than it is a potential. Yeah. So yes, you know, it is an option and it works. And we are now seeing interest, motivation and dollars flowing into, you know, those efforts. Yeah. So for Full Stack as a company, do you anticipate in the future capturing that scale of single family housing or something in between? I mean, this is a, I'm lending my own sort of view and I don't think the world belongs living in single family houses because it's a huge tax <laughs> on the environment, but that's, you know, that's not going to happen either, you know, but, but, yeah. uh, so I guess I'll answer your question in a slightly different way, even though it wasn't the question you asked, I'm going to give you an answer. Um, and I apologize for that. But, but basically my view is, is that if I look at what I think full stack would like to be doing five years from today would be to creating support and the back systems so that people can manufacture the built environment all over the world much like a franchise, you know, so that we can provide all that we can do so that you can build it in Lagos or the Caribbean or, you know, Southeast Asia or, you know, Southern Africa or, you know, wherever is, or Alaska, you know, wherever is needed. That to me would be hugely gratifying and I think is a value proposition. 
Um, so that's that's what I think would happen. Now, if, if one of those manufacturers decides that they want to build single family houses, they're more than welcome to. I'm not opposed to them. I live in one, but yeah. I do believe that with the world population and the housing need, the tax that a single family house, even off the grid, has on sort of the carbon <laughs> footprint of the world is significant. Even just think about what the people living in there have to do to exist. You know, the commute that they have to do to work, the commute that they have to do to buy food, the and the transportation costs associated with that, et cetera. So I'm a huge proponent of, of sort of dense housing uh, because it, because and dense housing that's transit oriented and uh, has you know, available fresh food and all of the other things that you need in order to comfortably live in, a, in an environment like today. Yeah. So talking about that density, I've done some research in the idea of dense communities and that you can over-densify a community. Where does your head fall on that? And, and how do you provide denser housing, but to not have all the negative effects of over-densifying a, a place. Yeah, I mean, look, uh, I certainly don't consider myself an engineer as it relates to that, but <laughs> I, I can tell you something that I've thought about locally because, you know, we're based in New York. And for instance, there's a lot of New York sort of city affordable housing and the density of those environments is pretty heavy and the buildings are much more or less uh, not necessarily the highest quality housing, and they're more or less 12 or 15 stories. Uh, you know, they need a huge amount of renovation. But if you take those buildings and go 30 stories in, say, to one-fifth of the amount of buildings that you currently have, and then turn the rest of it into parkland, it's now all of a sudden a healthier environment. And it's not always going up. But I do think that city planning, which I am you know, I, I don't know anything. I mean, I know a little bit about city planning, <laughs> but uh, but there is room for intelligent city planning. And that has to include like parks to go to and transportation to get to and good food, housing, entertainment, schools, all of those things. And I actually think if you think intelligently and eliminate some of the parameters that have existed to date and rethink that, that there's huge opportunity. And I don't think you have to overcrowd. I don't think you need thousand foot buildings either. I don't think you need to live like in the sky. Like that to me, like, yeah. like I think that there is <laughs> to your point. I think that there is like over density, like 30,000 foot buildings is not in my mind, sort of healthy living either. Like, you know, like if you yeah. have to, if you have to get above the clouds to get the sunlight, like that's a problem. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, such fascinating conversation. Really enjoy this, Roger. Before I let you go, we I'm sure we went off the rails of your expectations, <laughs> but is there anything uh, about Full Stack that I didn't ask you that you want to get across to our listeners? Yeah, I mean, the only thing I want to say is, like, so we are currently based, you know, we have a factory in Brooklyn, New York, and a factory in Portland, Oregon. We're building on both coasts. And, and I told you, we're working with companies sort of uh, internationally. And we are, you know, we are very focused on the industries of, you know, hotels, student housing, attainable housing, affordable housing. And our solution is interesting in that it includes everything as i mentioned the facades the finishes the full smap distribution and we can in a non-seismic zone uh, not california but in a non-seismic <laughs> zone we can go up 
to 45 stories in a double loaded corridor just using our system and 65 in a tower configuration. We do not use on-site built shear walls or anything. It's all part of our system. And even in California or a high seismic or wind location, we can go at least 30 stories, uh, probably taller. So, so our system is as comprehensive a solution as you can find for the, the industry that we're talking about. Yeah. For our listeners that want to follow along with Fullstack, what's the best way to do so? Well, I mean, our website, fullstackmodular.com, has a whole lot of information and usually posts all of the all of the activities going on with uh, with Fullstack. And then, of course, we have a LinkedIn page and a pretty much uh, account on it, you know, on every social media that I know of. So, you know, just look up Fullstack Modular and if it doesn't show up at the beginning of Google, let me know, and I'll uh, I'll re I'll restructure the the way that our front, that our front page shows. Um, just a little <laughs> bit of a joke, but but anyway, so uh, so so it's pretty easy to find us. And if you're interested and have specific questions, you know, info at Full Stack Modular. There's a page you can just ask questions, send them to me. It can be something about doing business with us, or a simple question about I'm doing research on this, you know, information, you know, do you have anything to add? And we, we talk to people all over the world all the time. Great. Thank you so much, Roger. Uh, really enjoyed this conversation. Uh, thank you to the listeners for listening. We'll talk again on the next one. Thanks. Thanks again for listening. Don't forget to check out our sponsors. By checking them out and supporting them, you help us keep this show going. Thank you again to Travel by Design for their support of this episode. Behind the facade of every world-class hotel, there's a story waiting to be heard. Make sure you hear that story by simply scrolling down to our show notes and click the Travel by Design link to listen today. Thanks again for listening. Spaces is part of the Gable Media Network. You can check out similar content at gablemedia.com. That's G-A-B-L media.com. If you enjoy our show, you can support us in three simple ways for free. You can leave us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts or on your podcast app if it allows you to. Tell a friend and follow us on social media. Thanks for spending time with us. Talk soon. Hey, architecture firm owners and emerging leaders, get ready for unparalleled insight into the development of a world-class architecture firm and a worldwide organization driving the digital transformation of the design and construction industry with BuildSmart, the podcast that's changing how our profession operates. We share the incredible stories behind innovation in the building industry with my friend and co-host, Patrick McLaney, FAIA former CEO of the international architecture firm, HOK. You know, Yamasaki's office or firm lasted during his lifetime. And when he passed away, I think that was the end of the Yamasaki office. Helmut did not want that. He wanted a firm that would live out and grow beyond the founders. In season one, discover the untold stories behind HOK's meteoric rise. From 150 employees in St. Louis to a powerhouse with over 1,900 staff members and 27 offices worldwide. 
you know, they weren't as polite as the Kojima people. That was just boom. And anytime you have a creditor, whether it's Kojima or the bank, that wants their money, unless you can raise money someplace else, you are out of business. Bankrupt. Bankrupt. And hold on tight for season two, where Patrick takes us on a new adventure as chairman of Building Smart International, shaping the future of digital transformation in the design, construction, and operation of built assets. Ian Howell, Ken Harold, and I, Ken was my technical representative from HOK. The three of us took a tour of Europe of five cities in five days. Very busy time. Simply follow the link in the show notes to subscribe to Build Smart Now and uncover lessons that will transform you and your architecture firm.